Hello, and welcome to a VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access multimedia channel that brings you the latest research updates in hematological oncology. Today, we will hear from four experts who will be discussing recent updates in the field of CAR-T and cellular therapy for the treatment of hematological malignancies. First, we hear from Annalisa Ruggeri of IRCCS Hospital Pediatrico Bambino Jesu, who discusses cellular therapy, specifically the engineering of T-cells and the use of mesenchymal stem cells for treating graft-versus-host disease. Today is the uh, Cellular Therapy Day on Biological Developments, and I welcome you on this uh, uh, very exciting uh, uh, program. So during this uh, um, uh, morning, we will have uh, Professor Chiara Bonini from uh, uh, Sarafelle Hospital in uh, um, Milano, and Professor Francesco Dazzi from uh, uh, King's College in London, uh, covering the main aspects of uh, um, engineering of uh, uh, T-cell and on uh, the use of mesenchymal stem cell for treating uh, uh, GVHD. In particular, uh, the technologies available today for gene modification and gene editing of stem cell are uh, changing and are um, uh, dramatically uh, offer a very important opportunity of treatment for patients in, in need. So the first uh, um, uh, important characteristics was uh, uh, by, by the use of uh, uh, CAR T-cell, which could, could be uh, used uh, uh, through lentiviral um, uh, strategy, and also the uh, engineering of the uh, TCR uh, is uh, uh, a new technique able to uh, target the uh, T-cell specificity of uh, of the cell and uh, act uh, as an uh, anti-tumor agent. Uh, So there are uh, today different targets that could be addressed by the TCR engineering and uh, the WT1 is uh, uh, one of those and the Professor Bonini is uh, clearly uh, showing uh, very, very exciting results in uh, uh, animal um, uh, studies. Uh, Also an important technique is uh, the use of the CRISPR uh, uh, to introduce breaks to disrupt genes, and uh, uh, Professor Bonini also highlighted this in her uh, uh, during her talk in the cell therapy day. Professor Francesco Dazzi from uh, King's College Hospital in mm. London will uh, 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 overview the uh, main application of uh, uh, the use of mesenchymal stem cell to treat uh, uh, GBHD. Uh, complication, which is a life-threatening complication after uh, stem cell transplantation, allogenic stem cell transplantation. Importantly, uh, Professor Dazzi uh, showed the results of uh, an international survey that was conducted by uh, EVMT uh, on behalf of the uh, Cell Therapy and Immunobiology Working Party, showing how there is a huge uh, heterogeneity in uh, uh, the stem cell source use which could be uh, from adult or from uh, uh, core blood, and also the uh, different uh, uh, application of, uh, uh, of this uh, uh, um, cell therapy uh, for treating uh, uh, the GVHD. 
Uh, importantly, and this uh, is really um, up to date, uh, Professor Dazzi will also uh, overview the, the possible application of uh, 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 stem cell in uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, inflammatory disease. And this is because the cytokine release syndrome, which is associated with COVID-19 pneumonia, seems to be uh, um, in some way uh, really uh, uh, similar to the other CRS we are used to see in main complication of uh, uh, the cell therapy. So uh, there are uh, ongoing international uh, trial assessing the use of uh, mesenchymal stem cell also in the setting of COVID-19 uh, pneumonia. Indeed, as Professor Dazzi highlighted, the uh, uh, issue of the safety of this new uh, uh, technique in uh, uh, such delicate uh, context need to be addressed by uh, uh, results of a clinical trial. So I recommend you to go through the uh, slides uh, from the Cell Therapy Day, which will are available on the EBMT platform. And please feel free to email us if you have questions. Secondly, Nupal Raji of Massachusetts General Hospital gives an overview of the current CAR-T climate in the field of multiple myeloma. Dr. Raji highlights the results of the KARMA study, Cartitude 1 and Evolve, all evaluating different BCMA-targeting CAR-T cell therapies that show activity in multiple myeloma. What we've done with CAR T cells in multiple myeloma has uh, uh, come a long way. We've had several meetings this year, uh, starting with ASCO and then EHA and now uh, EBMT, which is coming up where we are finally getting data where we have longer follow-up. We have a lot more patients. Um, and there's three big studies which I think we should be focusing on. One of them is with Cell or BB2121, uh, and that study is called Karma. This was first presented at ASCO, then at EHA, and part of it will be presented at EBMT as well. Um, this is probably one of the largest uh, sort of experiences in the context of multiple myeloma in the very late stage relapse refractory patient population. And the data which has been presented is 128 patients. Um, these are patients who've um, pretty much seen everything out there. So uh, they've seen both um, immunomodulatory drugs, which includes lenalidomide and pamelidomide. They've seen both uh, proteasome inhibitors, including uh, bortezomib and uh, carfilzomib, and have also been treated with a CD38-directed strategy, so either deratumumab or isotuximab. So traditionally, if you think about this patient population, it's an extremely difficult to treat patient population. And when we've looked at retrospective data in this patient population, the outcomes are quite poor after you've been exposed to all of these drugs and are refractory to the majority of these. And on average, we see progression-free survivals of about uh, three at most three months with overall survivals of you know less than eight to nine months so really uh, I would 
say that this is an area of true, true unmet medical need. Now, with the Karma trial, this was exactly the patient population that Karma treated. Uh, this is Idacel or BB2121 in the 128 patients. And once you get to um, the recommended dose, which is going to be 450 million cells, you see an overall response rate of uh, close to 80 plus percent. And patients who actually achieve a stringent complete response in this patient population had a median progression-free survival of 20 months. If you take all 128 patients across all dose levels, the response rates were in excess of 70% with a median progression-free survival of a little over 10 and a half months. So really quite robust data when you sort of compare it or put it in perspective of what these patients had previously uh, received. I think the other really important thing to note about this trial was the fact that, you know, this was almost a global effort. So a lot of the accruals happened in the United States, and then we were able to go transatlantic, and a lot of accruals happened across Europe as well. So uh, sort of a designer-specific approach Approach, if you will, uh, which was able to be accomplished globally is quite remarkable and really important to underscore the fact that uh, despite going from a phase one now to a phase two study, we really were able to recapitulate what we saw uh, in the phase one trial. Uh, we did not see a lot of additional toxicity, which I think is really critical when it comes to CAR T cells. And, uh, you know, the two big toxicities that we worry about, like cytokine release syndrome or neurotoxicity was very manageable. Neurotoxicity, if in fact, was hardly ever seen. Uh, CRS was seen in about uh, uh, the majority of patients, but most of the CRS was grade three and grade four and was easy to manage. Um, so we are seeing high response rates with durable remission durations in a very refractory patient population with acceptable toxicity. And our hope is that this is going to get approved for the treatment of myeloma patients at large. Along the same lines, a couple of other CAR T cells were also uh, presented at these uh, meetings. One of them was a CARTITUDE trial, um, and the CARTITUDE trial uses the J&J CAR T cell product. And really the difference between uh, IDACEL and this J&J product is the fact that this um, CAR T cell is able to bind to two separate epitopes of BCMA. And by doing so, the thought is that it's a tighter binding and you're going to be able to see a deeper response. The good news is 100% of patients who actually got the active dose of the CAR T cells had a response. And the majority of these patients remain progression-free uh, progression at a uh, uh, follow-up of about nine months. The, I think the... Uh, argument here is the follow-up is a little low, the numbers are smaller, but nonetheless, the data looks really very, very encouraging. And uh, the toxicity, again, seems to be acceptable, and we need to look at the longer follow-up uh, on the CARTITUDE trial. 
<clears throat> we had another trial, which is the Evolve uh, trial, which was also presented. This is a different uh, CAR T cell, also known as Orvacel. And uh, the difference here is really the differences between these different CAR T cell products and myeloma are subtle. And uh, the big difference with Orvacel is the starting material that we use. The starting material which goes into making the CAR T cells uses a combination of CD4 and CD8 T cells at a one-to-one -one proportion. So half CD4s, half CD8s, and then they're manipulated, and then they're made, then the car insert is put into this product. So whether or not these differences, the bioepitopic binding or the CD4, CD8 ratio, or not doing any of this um, is going to make a difference in the context of um, both efficacy, long-term outcome, and toxicity is something we still have to wait and uh, watch for and uh, uh, have a longer follow-up with this. But nonetheless, what we are seeing with all of these products, especially with Orvacel as well, we're seeing a response rate of 90% plus. Uh, again, the follow-up here is a little bit shorter. This was in 60-plus patients. So again, what you're beginning to see is a robust number number of patients where you're seeing deep, deep responses and the duration of response is something we are still trying to figure out. Uh, what we are also seeing is the toxicity profile of all of these products seems sort of comparable and seems to be acceptable. So all good news uh, uh, pieces for patients with multiple myeloma in the context of CAR T cells. Next. Matthew Frigolt of Massachusetts General Hospital comments on the key clinical trials involved in CAR T cell therapy for the treatment of refractory diffuse large B cell lymphoma, including results from Zuma 1, Juliet, and Transcend studies. We have three pivotal studies to date. We have Zuma 1, uh, Juliet, and Transcend NHL 001. Um, each one of these studies had variable management of toxicities as well as varying inclusion and exclusion criteria where the overall um, evolution was to have less restrictive eligibility criteria and more liberal use of uh, medications such as tocilizumab and steroids. And what we're seeing is that, you know, across these studies, we see relatively comparable durable responses. So overall responses between Zuma 1, Juliet, and Transcend may differ, but I think the most important metric being progression-free survival in these patients is hovering around 35 to 40%. Um, and we look forward to see updated data moving forward and an eventual approval with lysocaptogene, marilucil, or the uh, Transcend NHL product. And so um, one big question that came up when we initially had the approvals of, of these agents was whether or not the overall responses we were seeing in our very selected patient population were going to be um, uh, seen also in the pivotal studies. And so one thing that we were able to do in the U.S. and elsewhere is use the CIBMTR, which is the um, basically our central registry for bone marrow transplant and immune effector cell therapy. And we were able to look at the first patients who were actually infused. Um, these data were presented uh, initially at ASH in 2019. And so based on the axicaptogene, see the little CIBMTR registry of 533 patients, what we were seeing is that very comparable overall response rates of around 74% compared to about 80% seen in Zuma 1, um, with similar findings of an overall response rate of around 58% for t uh, with a CR rate of around 40%. 
Um, we're still waiting for the long-term follow-up uh, in these cohorts. However, you know, what we're expecting is that we're expecting you know, a three-month PFS of around 60 to 70% seen in tetragen leclusal, um, and similarly for axicaptogen acetylglucil. So overall, I think this is really encouraging, or these are really encouraging data showing that even in the real-world use, um, where patients who did, would not have met eligibility criteria for, say, Zuma 1 or Juliet, we're seeing durable responses that are actually um, holding in these patients. There is one other abstract that was presented at ASH 2019 um, by Rydell et al., where they actually did a comparison of axicaptogen, cetylucil, and tetragenoclusal at multiple centers um, who are prescribing both at the same time. And what we were seeing is uh, overall response rates between 51 and 64% for tetragenoclusal and axicaptogen, cetylucil. Um, as well as some encouraging uh, toxicity data where we basically saw no severe CRS or ICANS with tetragen occlusal. So overall, again, very optimistic that the responses are holding and if anything, the toxicities are actually decreasing. Finally, Maxim Mamonkin of Baylor College of Medicine discusses gene-edited effector cell therapy and its potential to improve the outcomes of T-cell therapies. That's a completely different dimension uh, in engineering T-cells and enhancing their potency. And we were one of the first groups that reported the, the benefit of uh, editing out CD7 to generate CD7 CAR T-cells. And, uh, you know, that, that was confirmed in, in other studies as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I mentioned, there is a little bit of a, of a barrier to get these therapies through the FDA to get them green-lighted by the FDA because we have to do a lot of assays to convince that these approaches are safe. And that's normal uh, for something that is brand new uh, in the clinic. Uh, but uh, once this becomes more mainstream, I guess this barrier will be lowered. Uh, we definitely have the capacity as an academic center to um, you know, establish the gene edited platform in our GMP, and it's also possible, obviously, in other uh, manufacturing facilities around the world. So that, that actually opens up a uh, huge uh, potential and huge possibilities for further engineering, not only when it comes to you know, fratricide resistance to serum CAR T cells, but also as reported by other groups. Uh, you could um, remove inhibitory receptors, you can generate off the shelf. Uh, T cells without uh, potential for graft cells disease by removing TCR. So the possibilities are endless, really. The one thing, though, with autologous products, still there's uh, only that much you can do to uh, engineer cells uh, and remove genes. Uh, I think the, the possibilities for engineering will be much uh, more flexible when we um, transition to off-the-shelf cells because there you could uh, basically have more freedom to. Uh, to make changes in the in the genome and also characterize their safety uh, in one cell product that can be administered to many patients. Uh, so I guess this uh, this approach will will continue to bloom and develop for uh, for and, and their efficacy will be assessed in the clinic in years to come. Hopefully, we'll start seeing first results very soon. And we already have products in the clinic that were reported by the Pen Group. Uh, that shows the feasibility of this process and, and the safety of these infusions. So. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with us. 
Visit vjhemonk.com for the latest updates from the experts themselves, as well as exclusive CAR-T and cellular therapy coverage. Be sure to subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts, which are available on Spotify, Apple and Podbean.